We're continuing with our series in Hebrews chapter 11 as we look at the hall of faith, is what it's called, the hall of faith, the, the, the heroes of the faith chapter where the author of Hebrews starts talking about you need to be persistent in your faith and here's a lot of people throughout history who, who have under great duress continued in faithfulness. And we saw or have seen about Abel, um, about Enoch, about Noah. And today we're going to look at a couple more uh, of those people. But I want to tell you a story um, this morning. There was a guy who was a missionary to China way back before missionaries were commonplace. His name was Hudson Taylor. You ever heard of Hudson Taylor? A few of you should have, yeah. Well, he was on his first trip to China, Hudson Taylor, going to take the gospel overseas, which, again, nobody did back then. But he was inspired by God, needed to go tell people about Jesus. And so he hops on this boat, this is a long time ago, no planes, hops on this boat and goes over. And as they're on their way to China on this boat, the, the wind has died down. Again, at a time, there's no motors, so they got to use the wind. And the sails droop because there's no wind. But they start to drift. Again, you're in a boat and there's no wind, you're going to drift. And they start to drift towards this island in the middle of the Pacific. And the sailors were very familiar with this route and they knew this island. This island was inhabited, but it was inhabited by cannibals. And so everyone on the boat, all the sailors from the captain on down, were scared out of their wits because they knew what was coming and they could see as, as the wind had died and they began to drift closer and closer to this island, they began to see the islanders come out onto the beach with their weapons, anticipating, I guess, the feast. Um, and the captain came to Mr. Taylor, Hudson Taylor, and said, we the rest of us here don't necessarily believe in, in, in your Jesus, but, but we need you to pray right now. If, if you know how to pray, we need you to pray for wind because this is what's going on. The cannibals are right there and we're drifting over there and they're going to get us if we get any closer to this island and we're all going to be gone. So we need you to pray. And Hudson Taylor said to him, well, I saw you roll the, the sails back up because there's no wind. I'll go back in there and pray if, if you unroll the sails. And the captain kind of stepped back a little bit and said, look, I mean, I know me and my men, we're all fearful of what's coming, but if I unroll the sails and there's no wind, they're not going to think I'm nuts. I mean, they're not going to listen to anything I say because there's no wind. Why in the world would we, would we unroll the sails? And Hudson Taylor said back to him, now listen, I can pray all day long for God to bring the wind. And I have great faith that God will bring the wind. But if you don't act like God's going to bring the wind... What's the point of even trying? And so the captain said, all right. So he goes out there and he un un unfurls the sails and Hudson Taylor goes back into his cabin, gets down on his knees and begins to pray and just pour out prayer after prayer. God, bring the wind. God, bring the wind. God, bring the wind. And he's not just talking about the Holy Spirit wind that we sing about in song. He's talking about physical wind. God, bring the wind right now. You're sending me to China to bring the gospel, but if we get close to this island, I'm going to be dinner. We need the wind. And I... A couple minutes had transpired, and uh, Hudson Taylor writes that he hears footsteps, very quick footsteps, running down the hallway to his cabin, banging on his door, 
yelling at him, open the door, open the door. Hudson Taylor gets up from his prayer, opens the door, and the captain's standing there, breathing heavy. Are you still praying for wind? Hudson Taylor said, yes. He said, stop. (laughs) We've got too much. (laughs) It's going to break the mast. Stop praying for wind. And so the question we can ask ourselves is, what does faith do? Faith can do anything. Because faith is appealing to the God of all creation. Let me give you some references. Job 42.2, speaking to God, he says, you can do all things. Jeremiah 32.17, nothing is too hard for you. God speaking back, Jeremiah 32.27, is anything too hard for me? Matthew 19.26, with God all things are possible. Luke 1.37, nothing will be impossible with God. And then God, this last passage I'm going to give you is right from the scripture we're going to see today. Genesis 18.14, God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Anything too hard for the Lord? God can bring wind to a ship drifting to a, a cannibalistic island. God can, I remember the story of Al would pray in the woods for God to bring a breeze. And God would every time. God answers prayer, prayer in faith. Well, today we're going to look at two individuals in faith who followed the Lord. One, in a way that I I had not anticipated, um, having even read their story many, many times. But let's take a look. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8. Now, if you're going to use a Bible in the pew there, it's on page 1007. You can turn there. And as Jared said at the beginning of the service, if you don't have a Bible, take that Bible that's on the pew rack home. Just, that's your, you can even get one of those golf pencils if you find one that's sharp, and you can write your name on it, and that can be yours forever. Take it home. Um, but we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8. By faith... Abraham obeyed and he, when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So Abraham was called by God to go to a place that he would receive as an inheritance. And he went not knowing where he was going. So God shows up to Abraham one day and says, get up and go. Abraham says, okay, where? God says, I'll show you when you get there, just, just get moving, just get to stepping, and, and I'll show you where you're going. So Abraham followed the Lord, even though he did not know the whole plan. By faith, he had, to, he had to trust God for the next step. He had to trust that God uh, had given him the last step and would give him the next step when it was time for the next step. He had to trust that God knew what he was doing the whole way to wherever he was walking. And he had to trust that God would know when he needed the next step and that he would deliver that next step at just the right moment. Have you ever been in a car with someone who was driving and it was your responsibility to give directions? Have you ever given directions to somebody driving? Right? Has the person driving ever not listened to your directions? Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you are married to those people. But you're... you're, if you're giving directions to the person driving and you're going a long distance and uh, you don't have the map pulled up on your phone, 
You get a lot of twists and turns. If you're giving the directions, would you ever just, before you set out, give them every twist and turn and give them the timing of every twist and turn? And say, okay, you're going to turn here, and, and then after 15 minutes, you're going to turn this way, and then after 13 minutes, you're going to turn this way, and then after 14 minutes and three seconds, you're going to turn this way. Not five seconds, because that's the wrong street. And then you lay out all the directions. If you ever did that, by the time you got to the end, they wouldn't know where to start. You got to give them one step at a time. And that's what God does. God gives us one step at a time. Because if he gave us the whole plan, we would just remember step 100. We would not remember step one. He's got to give us one step at a time. Otherwise, we're going to forget the whole shebang. He's got to give us one step at a time. And in that, we have to trust him. That's why it says there uh, in verse 8 that by faith Abraham obeyed. It took great faith for Abraham to pack everything up leave everything he had known, and set out for a destination he didn't know where he was going. Abraham's family's saying as he's packing up, okay, where are you going? Uh, I don't really know. Just God said that way, so that's where I'm going. And we, we learn from other scripture that Abraham's family worshipped other gods. And so they're saying, okay, so which God? And Abraham says, well, the one true God said just that way, you know, just start, start walking, and I'm going to start walking. And so Abraham did, packed everything up, and he starts walking, not knowing specifically where God is sending him. But in that, he demonstrated faith. And that's what faith is. Faith is trusting in God's plan, in God's provision for that plan, and in God's timing for the plan. So faith is trusting God's plan, is trusting God's provision, and is trusting in, in God's timing. Now, the thing is with that phrase, we can trust God's plan. Okay, I trust God has a plan. I trust that God's going to provide. Sometimes I struggle with that provision thing that, you know, I wish God would really provide a lot more up front than right now. But, uh, okay, I'll trust God's going to provide. Okay, cool. Uh, but the one we struggle with the most is God's timing. Is we want God to give us the win. Okay, God, I'm fine waiting. If you just tell me how long i got to wait. Like, like, God, I'm, I'm fine continuing to do what you've set before me to do as long as you tell me how long I'm going to be doing it. Like, are we talking like three weeks? Are we talking three years, 30 years? God, eh, I'm a little not so thrilled with that. But, you know, if, if, if you tell me the exact moment something else is going to happen, I'm cool with it. Like, like God, just, I, I know you've got a plan. I know you're all powerful. You created the universe. I know you're going to provide. You have a thousand, cattle on a thousand hills. You can, you can provide anything out of anywhere. But, God, this timing deal, like, just help me out a little bit here. I know you're going to provide. Just provide a little bit sooner. Like, <laughs> just... Help me out, God. But that's where the faith part comes in. Is we have to, if, if we trust God for the plan and we trust God for the provision, we've got to trust him for the timing. Because God's never going to be late. Ever. And we have to remind ourselves of that constantly. I have to remind myself, God's never going to be late. Ever. God's always going to arrive on time. God's never late. He's always on time maybe not the time that I want but I'm not God in my sinful mind I want things when I want them I want them now microwave that puppy don't put it in the crock pot give it to me now have you ever tried I mean I've said this before have you ever tried to microwave a pot roast 
How'd that turn out for you? <laughs> Don't do that, ever. Like, what if y'all did down at the deli? That's, that, that's how you cooked your meat, in the microwave. <laughs> like, <laughs> deli wouldn't be as popular as it was. <laughs> they slow cook that stuff. That's why it tastes so good. That's why it falls apart. That's why it's just, I'm, I'm tasting it now. I'm tasting that sandwich right now. <laughs> I'm going to have to come this week. I want it so bad. But you've got to trust that God knows what he's doing and when he's doing it. And so when God came to Abraham and said, just start walking that way, and I'll come back to you and tell you when to stop, Abraham had to just keep walking until he heard again from God. He had to just keep stepping and say, okay, God's going to show up, God's going to do his thing, and God's going to show me when, and God's going to deliver the exact moment of when I need to be there. And he just started walking. So that's why it says in verse 8, by faith, Abraham did this. That's why he's commended as being faithful. Because he trusted in God's plan, he trusted in God's provision, and he trusted in God's timing. But look at what happened next. Verses 9 and 10. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. As in a foreign land. This is what's interesting. He was living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, his son and his grandson. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. This is fascinating, okay? So Abraham's, and the reason that he pulls out tents is for for a very important reason. Abraham's physically living in a place that's been assumed and accepted for generations as as the promised inheritance. But what, what the author of Hebrews is telling us is Abraham didn't consider this land to be his inheritance. He was looking for something else. For a city that's foundations are the designer and the builder is God. We're told here that Abraham didn't consider Canaan to be the promised land. That was a placeholder for the real promised land that he would be inherited. That was, he, he was awaiting heaven and would settle for nothing less. That's why he didn't stop and build a house. That's why it says he was living in tents because it's just temporary. I don't need a set of residence because I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> this is just temporary here. And so this is not my home. And so Abraham, the father of the faith, is living in tents because this was not the end for him. He had faith that something else is coming. He had faith that something was yet to be because that's what faith is. Faith sees beyond the now. Faith sees beyond what, what is right in front of us. Faith sees beyond. Faith sees what cannot be seen by others. Faith sees beyond what, what is right here, right now. I'm going to tell you a story about another guy. Uh, I've told uh, this story in some Bible studies before. Uh, there was a guy who God had spoken to to start an orphanage in England, a guy named George Mueller. He read the Bible through hundreds of times. He had over, I think it was over 20,000 documented answered prayers. He had a prayer journal, and he kept a, a prayer journal. He'd write down what his prayer request was. He would write down the day he started praying, and then he would write down when God gave him an answer. And then he published that so we can all read these 20,000 plus prayer requests that he had. But uh, towards the end, you know, I can't remember, he was in his 80s at this point. Uh, He was going around preaching and telling people about faith, about how to have great faith and and, and seeing God do such incredibly faithful things. And uh, God had led him to go from England to Canada, to Quebec, and he was going to speak there and teach about faith, and he jumps on this boat to go over um, but as they're getting close to Canada, 
uh, they get stuck because there's a lot of fog and they, they're not going to continue on through the fog because who knows what's in front of them, what they're going to hit. And so they shut the boat down, they, they, they roll up the sails and they're just sitting there. And George Mueller goes to the captain and says, why are we stopped? Canada's like a day that way. We got to keep going. Do not stop this boat. And the captain said, look, George, we can't, we, look, standing here in, in, in the, where we sit with the wheel and the boat, we can't see the front of the boat. Like, the fog is so, we, there's no way we're going to see without that. We're, unknown things we're going to hit. We might hit another ship. We're not going anywhere until the fog's gone. And so George looks at the captain and says, okay, let's go pray. Praying does no good, George. We can't see. You can pray all day long for all kinds of things, but it's not going to stop the fog. We need the temperature to change so the fog goes away or wind to come in and blow the fog away. We, we need, you, it's not going to do anything. Look at the fog, George. George says, I don't need to look at the fog. I'm looking at the one who controls the fog. So you're coming with me, Mr. Captain, and we're going to go down here and we're going to pray. And so they go down to, to George's cabin and they kneel down, George ardent believer, and this unbelieving captain kneeling down in, in, in the room. And George prays a very simple prayer. It's like two or three sentences. And he prays, God, I know you told me to go to Canada and tell these people about Jesus. They're waiting for me the day after tomorrow. So we got to get there tomorrow. God, you told me it's going to happen. There's going to be, this fog's in the way. I need you to remove the fog. Amen. And so they're still kneeling there. So the captain unbelieving captain feels very pressured and he says uh dear god and george puts his hands out and says all right you don't need to pray i've got enough faith for both of us now go look outside and so the captain gets up what do you mean go look outside and george says in the 52 years that i've known my lord and been praying i have never known him not to answer my prayer open that door so the captain opens the door and he says what you've got to come look. And George says, I don't need to go look. Captain says, it happened just like you prayed. The fog is gone. In the five seconds we've been in the room, the fog is gone. And uh, George said, all right, go tell them. Let's get on the way. And then I want to talk to you for a second. And so they unfurl the sails. They get on the way. They arrive in Canada the next day. George goes and preaches. But before that day was over, that captain was saved. You see, what can faith do? That's not the question. Faith sees beyond the now. The question is, what can't faith do? Faith sees beyond what is right in front of us. Faith sees beyond what everybody else sees as a problem. Faith sees, that's not a problem. My God's way bigger than anything that's right in front of me. My God can handle this. That's why I love that statement that George made to that captain was, in the 52 years I've known my Lord, I've never known him not to answer my prayer. He had absolute faith that God was going to remove the fog. How many of us have ever prayed something like that? Expected an answer to prayer the second you said amen. And so that is the kind of faith we're talking about here. Abraham saw beyond the now because of his faith. He said, this land is not my home, so I'm not going to set up roots. I'm not going to build a house because I'm not going to be here long enough. I'm going somewhere else. And so he lived in tents. Faith sees beyond the now. But what we know about Abraham is what we know about ourselves. He was still human. Abraham was still flawed. 
And so this great faith that he's commended for, faith uh, trusting in God's plan, provision, and timing, faith that saw beyond the now, he did not always have that faith. He still struggled. I mean, when God said, uh, from you, Abraham, and God came and told him this when he's 75, from you are going to come a great nation, beginning with one child. And Abraham believed God, but then time began to pass. Five years, 10 years, began to pass. 11 years passed, and he said, God still hasn't you know, done his thing. Whereas Abraham before had trusted in God's plan, God's provision, God's timing. He saw beyond the now. But then Abraham struggled in a new season of life with a different issue, as we all do. We can all have great moments of faith, but then we can have struggles. And those, but the thing about those struggles is that doesn't undo what God's done in us. And we see in Abraham, we can find within ourselves, because of what we see in him, great hope. Because I don't know your faith. I don't know its strength. I don't know its weaknesses. I don't know where it's strong. I don't know where it's weak. I know myself. I don't know myself as well as God does. But I know where I have deficiencies. But even in that, God can provide the strength. And God did much through Abraham. But there's something in that hope that is unique. So let's look at these next two verses. Abraham's wife. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. <clears throat> now, what's really interesting here, right? Everybody we've seen so far in Hebrews, from uh, Abel to Enoch <clears throat> to Noah, they've been commended throughout Scripture as faithful. Abraham, faithful. Uh, Abraham believed it was declared to him as righteousness. But now we get to Sarah. And Sarah, in, in the Old Testament, in Genesis is given as an example of uncertainty and doubt. She's not given as an example of faith. God came to Abraham and said, you're going to have a child. And now at this point, Abraham is 99, Sarah's 98. And he says, in one year, you're going to have a child. Sarah's not in the room. She's standing right outside the tent. She's listening. Like she's, she's listening. And she starts laughing outside. There's no way in the world that's going to happen. Who is this God thinking me at 98 years old is going to get pregnant? No. Like, did he go to health class? This is not the way this works. And God, knowing everything, said, I know your wife's outside laughing at this, but I'm going to do it anyway, and you're going to name your child Isaac, which means laughter. But then we get here to Hebrews 11... Was it? Verse 11, and Sarah is commended as faithful by faith. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Now, so how is she faithful? You know, doubt and uncertainty can be instantaneous responses, and apparently that was the case for Sarah. I mean, Genesis 18, she, 
She responded in doubt. She responded in uncertainty. But by being commended, by having faith, it would seem as though she did not allow that doubt and uncertainty to take root within her. Even though that was her initial response, she didn't stay there. She went somewhere else. But I want to point something out that I, that I never saw before. Leave that up just a second, Alyssa. In that verse 11, it says, she, she herself, Sarah herself, received the power to conceive. To conceive. You know what that literally means? She received power to sow a seed. Now, physically, she doesn't sow any seed. And so because she doesn't, as the woman doesn't sow seed, it must mean something else here. If she herself received power to sow a seed, the seed must not be physical. The seed must be spiritual. And so she received power to sow the seed of faith. And who did she sow that seed of faith in? Go to verse 12. Therefore, from one man, Abraham, all these innumerable descendants come. So it would seem, because verse 12 follows verse 11, follows with a therefore, going from Sarah's seed of faith into the therefore from Abraham, Abraham's faith came because of Sarah's faithfulness. If Sarah had not been faithful, where would that leave us? Even though she was initially doubting, even though she was initially uncertain, she has great faith, and because of that faith, verse 12 tells us, Abraham was able to bring forth these many descendants. Generations of faithful believers in the faithful one because of her faith. She decided at some point, we don't know when, at some point to not allow the doubt and uncertainty to take root, and she, she decided to be faithful. Because when we leave that doubt and uncertainty out within us, the enemy will use those things as tools to tear us down and chip away at us and, and turn us into someone we don't want to be. But when we remove those and decide, I know that in my mind the doubt is there, I know within my mind the uncertainty is there, but I am going to decide from this point forward we will be faithful. As for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. I will be faithful now, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, even though I can't see the way out, even though I can't see everything else, I will be faithful here. And Sarah's faithfulness, according to verse 11 and 12, because she was faithful, she chose faith, and now billions of people have been ultimately impacted because of that one decision from her. She was faithful. And that's what faith is. We saw Faith trusts in, in God's plan, his provision, his timing. Faith uh, 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 is, um, I forgot my second point. <laughs> uh, somebody help me out. You write it down? Nobody wrote it down. Write down my points. Faith sees beyond the now. Faith, we see in Sarah, faith is follow through. Faith is follow through. Even though you, you may stumble on the initial reaction, you may not always be faithful initially. Your gut reaction may be, I don't know what in the world is happening. I don't know how in the world we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to get out from under this. I don't know where we're going to go with this. I don't know how we're going to get through this storm. But if you don't rest in that and you decide 
Even though the storm is there, even though the difficulty is there, even though everybody else is saying all this stuff, you decide to be faithful anyway. Faith is follow through. You will see God do amazing things, just like everyone we've seen so far in this Hebrews 11 section. You think it was easy for Noah building a boat for 100 years, having everybody chastise him and have everybody yell at him and have everybody make fun of him? His own, his own family outside of his kids did not get on the boat, and some of them were still alive when the flood came, being ostracized by his own family. But he chose faith. Anyway, every swing of a hammer for Noah was faith. Sarah, every single day, waking up in that tent because it's temporary, seeing beyond the now. Every single day was a step of faith, was a decision. I am going to decide today to be faithful. Faith is a choice that we make. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. I'm feeling faithful today. That's not how it works. This song is making me feel faithful. That's not it. Faith is a decision that we make. Will I be faithful with my career? Will I be faithful with, with stepping out of this addiction? Will I be faithful, here's one we all struggle with, with my money? Will I be faithful with my money that God provided? Will I be faithful and make faithful decisions? Will I be faithful in what God has given me? Will I be faithful in the life he's provided? Will I be faithful? And we have to decide, will we or not? Will you or not? Will you be faith-filled? And will you follow through with that faith? Follow through with that faith or allow other things to creep in? Do you trust God? Do you trust him? Do you trust that God knows what he's doing? Do you trust that God can guide you? Do you trust that God can give you strength? Do you trust that God can provide for you? Do you trust that God is showing you the way if you listen? Do you trust God? Do you have faith enough to see beyond the now? Are you following through with your faith? Following through, letting it strengthen you day by day. And not just letting it be a momentary deal, letting it be just a Sunday deal, letting it just be an every once in a while deal. Are you following through with your faith in every avenue of your life? Faith is follow through. We see it with Abraham. We see it with Sarah. Faith can do much. As we saw in those scriptures at the beginning, I'm going to read them again. What does faith do? Job 42.2, you can do all things. Jeremiah 32.17, nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah 32.27, God speaking, is anything too hard for me? Matthew 19.26, with God all things are possible. Luke 1.37, nothing will be impossible with the Lord. And Genesis 18.14, is anything too hard for the Lord? You can look at me and say, hey, preacher man, I hear those scriptures, but you don't know my life. My life, there's some stuff, and it's hard, it's difficult. I don't know how God's going to pull this off. I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't know how the money's going to come. I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. I don't know how I'm going to pay for gas, for Pete's sake. I don't know how I'm going to do anything. What did that scripture say? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Answer is no. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing... That was at uh, Luke 137. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing 
And I don't know if you know what nothing means. It means nothing. No thing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. You think the thing that you're facing, the difficulty, you say, oh, well, that one, that one's got God beat. Like, I can't handle that one. Like, it's just way too much. No, there's nothing that is too hard for God. Nothing. He can bring you through it. He can give you the strength. He can help you overcome. He can guide you through it. He can be standing next to you as the storm is dropping its deluge all over your life. God can bring you through it because nothing is too hard for God. Not one thing. Not you and what you're facing. It's not too hard for God. Ever. He can do it. Do you have faith? Will you walk with him? He's going to do it with or without you. Do you want to be a part of God's movement? Then you've got to have faith. Faith. Even if that means you've got to start today and begin your steps of faith. And say, I hear you say all this stuff about faith. And I see these people. And God called Abraham and Sarah out. You know the thing about, I mentioned Abraham's family didn't believe in God initially. Abraham was one of those who worshipped other gods. When God showed up and said, it's time today. I'm calling you out. Follow me now. And so let me be God's voice to you now, doing the same. If you don't believe in Jesus today, this is your moment. This is your Abraham moment. Genesis chapter 12, that's when God came to Abraham. This is your moment. And God's saying to you, will you have faith today? Will you believe in Jesus today? Don't step out those doors. Don't get your feet off of the green carpet until you believe in Jesus. Believe in him today. Whoever you are, wherever you are, wherever life finds you today, God put you in this room for a purpose, and it's to know Jesus. <laughs> believe in Jesus. And here it is. It's, you believe that Jesus is God's son. You believe that Jesus died so all your sins would be forgiven. And because Jesus is God, his death had the power to pay for all of your sins. And that death, he died, paid for our sins, and then he rose from the dead so we can live after we die. And so you believe that, eternity is secure. Heaven is guaranteed. And Jesus tells us in John 17, verse 3, that in that moment you believe, eternal life starts. It doesn't start when you die. It starts when you believe. And so I think about Katie's grandmother the other day, her eternal life didn't start when she died at 102. It began decades earlier when she believed in Jesus. How would you like to start your eternal life today? Start it now. Start living the eternal life today. Then what you got to do is believe in Jesus. That's it. You don't got to do more good stuff than bad stuff. That's not the way God works. You don't got to pay a cover charge. You don't got to say magic words. Big, you know, seminary, theological, $7 words. You got to, it used to be $2 words, but inflation. It's $7 words. You don't got to pay that. You just got to believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. And that's it. And then you're saved forever. Because there's no sin you can do once you believe in Jesus that can undo what he did. Because you're not stronger than Jesus. He already paid for all of it, even the stuff you haven't done yet, stuff you haven't thought yet. He's already paid for it. Will you believe in Jesus today? Will you have faith in Jesus today? If you want to have faith, 
Maybe you need to come and pray. Pray for more faith. Maybe you do believe and you need to come and pray. Say, Jesus, man, I, I, I need more faith. I've got this issue that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my faith in. And I see what you did for Abraham and I see what you did for Sarah. And I hear those stories about Hudson Taylor and George Mueller. Jesus, I need that kind of faith. Help me. Give me strength. And then Jesus whispers, all right, trust me. Trust me. And let's see how tomorrow is. So if you need to come and pray for your own faith, I invite you to come in just a second. I'm going to pray. That'll be your cue. You come and pray. Maybe the, pray, the faith of your family, like Joshua declared at the end of the book of Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe you need to come and pray for that over your family. Maybe you need to pray for a family member or a friend who's really struggling with their faith, and they need Jesus desperately. And actually, maybe God put their name on your heart right now because you need to make a phone call this afternoon to that person. Maybe a family member you haven't talked to in a long time. Maybe you need to drive to their house today. Say, you know what, I, 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 I really need to tell you about something that, that's changed me. And you tell them about Jesus. And we can add a candle next week. Maybe you need to believe in Jesus today. And when I pray, I want to talk to you if you want to believe in Jesus today. And we can settle that for all time, right here, right now, at the front pew, green carpet, green pew. We'd love for you to come to know Jesus now. And you can add your own candle. I mean, what about that? You believe in Jesus here and now. Will you respond and decide to have faith?